Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. We're going to start a new series this week called Hedges. Everybody say Hedges. 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 We're starting a new series called Hedges, and this is going to be based on uh, the book of Job, chapter 1. You can turn there. We're only going to read one verse uh, of that book uh, from chapter 1. But how many know that God, just as he said about Caleb, that he has a different spirit, and because of that, I'm going to bless the work of his hands. God, God puts a hedge at times around his people. He'll put, a, he'll put a hedge around us to protect us from things that we, not only things that, uh, that come against us we see, but he puts a hedge around us to protect us from things we don't even know about. There are, th- there are accidents that you would have gotten in on the road that, that you don't even know about. There are, there are things, there are people that have come against you, but because God had a hedge around you, because God had a hedge around you. What we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks, maybe the next five weeks, is our contribution. Now, we, don't, we can't perform, we can't get God to put a hedge because of our performance. But there are what I'll call... Uh, there, there are things that we can contribute to God putting this hedge around us. And I, I call them sub-hedges, if you will. So we're going to talk about uh, our part in that and, and how we can go about building and helping to produce uh, the hedge that God begins to put around us. And today we're going to start off with what I call the prayer hedge. The prayer hedge, our, our contribution to it. You know, prayer agreement, it releases something supernaturally in the invisible realm. And those of you that know me know that I love to be balanced. You know, I'm not a person that's too far this way that, you know, hey, we're just going to float around the church all day long and, you know, speak in tongues and we're going to be up in the clouds and we don't have any idea what's going on on earth because we're so spiritual. Uh, But I'm not all the way on the other side that there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. Come on, there is, you know, he is a person, there is God, and there is the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to be balanced. And while we are here on this earth, uh, there are practical things that God has given us to do. You've heard it before. I'm going to keep repeating that. There are practical things that God has given us. Uh, his, His word, he wants us to follow that. Just like when the tabernacle was being built. You know, they, they, they followed that to a T. He, he said, don't, don't deviate. Don't, don't, you know, if I tell you to get cedar, don't get plywood. If I tell you to get three-quarter inch, don't, don't just make it work. There, there was no jerry-rigging when it came to building the tabernacle. And when it comes to following God's word, sometimes we wonder why it seems like there's a hole in the hedge. How, how did the enemy get in? It, it kind of like there's a hole in my pocket. Brother Jeff, that's a great testimony about uh, being out of debt, you know. We all should have that testimony at some point. 
But for some of us, it just seems like there's a hole in your pocket. <laughs> and, 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 and we're wondering why is that, that hole in the hedge? And it's because we haven't followed his plan to a T. Now, to some of us, that might sound like a burden. That's something that weighs us down as if I have to follow all these rules. But as I said before, you know, one of the things in my studies, I don't know if you've studied, you know, other religions or paid attention. One of the things in my studies is though there are the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, though in the New Testament, God said, I'll write my commandments on your heart. And the law is not, and I'm, I'm going to say this, don't, don't shout me down or throw any tomatoes, but the law is not there to justify you. Right? The law is not there because you can follow all of it. The, the law is there just to show you who you are without God. Come on now. It's to show you who you are without the Holy Spirit. And so he says, listen, I've laid out a plan. I've laid out things. And when I look at, you know, other religion and, and other leaders, you know, it's all about do. I, I have to do this. I have to do that to get into heaven or to get into wherever it is. And with our Lord Jesus Christ, it's all about done. He's already done the work on the cross. And so the things that he's laying out for us, the things that he tells us to do are not a burden to us. In fact, there are things that are going to advance us in this life, not just in the life to come. We don't have to wait till we die and get to heaven for things to be glorious. And I'm going to say something else too. I don't know how this is going to rub you. But listen, church is not a place that we come to get away from everything else. I don't know. I might not get so many amens on that. But what I'm trying to empower you to do is to live a life worthy of Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Right? Mondays. Am I right? Mondays. Everybody hates going to work on Monday. I got to a point when I was working in corporate America that Monday was just like Thursday. Wednesday was just like Friday. Now, I'm not saying I, you know, I would just, I just loved going to work. I just wanted to get up. Let's, hey, everybody, let's just go to work. No, I'm not saying that. But because I had to do that, listen, it, it didn't get me down. And that's the kind of life I'm trying to get you to live. That God is trying to get me to live and get you to live. That we don't come to church and get away from everything else. And, you know, in here, oh, wow, Jesus is really moving. There's a different spirit in here today. But Monday, oh, man, when I go back into the world, when I go back into my life, you know, I was talking with my wife about this. And I'm not going to get too far into this because I really, I really in my heart don't want to offend, uh, you know, offend some people. But, you know, I, we were talking about the language sometimes we use in church. I don't know how I'm getting off on this, but it's, uh, I believe this is the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we talk in church sometimes uh, in a way where we don't talk any other way. And it makes no sense to me now that I'm at this point in my life. I grew up in church, so I feel like I can say something about this. It, it, the more I go, it, the more it doesn't make any sense to me. Because you, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, then you are a Christian. You don't come and put on Christianity when you get to church. So why are we using thus, thee, thou, I get a witness to that, or whatever our vernacular is, only at church on Sunday morning, but during the week we talk a whole different way. I mean, aren't you who you are? I mean, I, I don't put on hair during the week. I mean, I guess I could, but I'm just the same way, you know. 
And, and God, listen, the point I'm trying to make is that God is trying to empower us on Sunday morning to, to live a victorious life on Monday evening and Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday morning and Thursday night. He, he wants us to live a victorious life. And that's why he puts these hedges around us. So hedges, is, it's used in Scripture in the way that I'm going to use it. It's used to illustrate God's divine strategy and protection, okay, uh, for his people against any and all weapons, against uh, any intentions, any attacks of the enemy seeking to harm us, okay? He told Job in, in Job 1.10, uh, you know, he, he talked about blessing Job, but then the enemy, the devil, came to God and, and said, listen, have you not made a hedge around him? I'm trying to get to him. But haven't you made a hedge around him, around his whole household and around all that he has on every side? You, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. I, I can't get to Job. The Good News Translation put it this way. It says, you have always protected him and his family and everything he owns. You bless everything he does. And you have given him enough cattle to fill the whole country. The NIV even says, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and all that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. Satan can't get to Job. Satan can't get to you, unless God removed the hedge. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't know about that, Mike. I, I, I beg to differ. I've had some hard times in my life. But have you removed the hedge? And that's what we're going to talk about. Have you removed the hedge? Also, we have to understand that Satan operates on the principle of tis. T-I-S, tis. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's all he can do. Give you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. It's you that has to act. We are responsible. We are responsible. I know that things happen. I know that things out of our control happen, but how we respond to situations is 90% of what the outcome will be in most cases. We are responsible. And so Satan said, listen, you have a hedge around him. And I think that we contribute to either keeping this hedge built up or allowing there to be holes and breaches in the hedge. So over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about the prayer hedge today for a few moments. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the personal hedge. We're going to talk a little bit about the relational hedge. It takes a relationship. We're going to talk about the possessions hedge. Yes, the possessions hedge. And we're going to talk about the favor hedge, how God has favor upon you. Now, this, this prayer hedge, it's our first hedge, and it really builds and supports all of the other hedges, okay? Through prayer, we fortify and we reinforce our personal hedge and our relational hedge, our possessions hedge, and our, and our favor hedge. We, we support all of those through prayer. And a lot of us look at prayer as it's this, you know, super spiritual thing that we have to do. 
Prayer, you know, we, we communicate every day with people, but prayer is over here. It's this, it's this spiritual thing. We have to go off and get into our closet and be real spiritual. And we have to say certain words when we pray. And we have to address God a certain way. Now, he is the almighty God. There should be some respect. Come on. Should be some reverence. But prayer really at its core is communication. And you can't have a relationship with someone without communication. No communication, no relationship. No communication. We don't know what God wants us to do. We're floundering around like a pig in mud. No communication. Well, I've, 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 I used all the scriptures, but it just seems like it's, it's not working. This one little boy told me one time, he said, listen, you believe in prayer? I said, yeah, I, I do. I, I believe in prayer. He said, well, you know, he said, I've, I've been praying for my uncle and his hair won't grow back. I've been praying for my sister. She still fail in class. I'm tired of all these unanswered prayers. <laughs> and so some of us are that way. We're tired of all these unanswered prayers. But what we have to understand is that we're really not in communication. We're just telling God things. We're not in communication with him. Imagine if you had a best friend or your wife or husband or uh, your sister or brother or your mom or your daughter and, and, and your communication was all one way. You're telling them what they need to do. How long do you think that's going to last? How long do you think it will last with God? God would say, I have something to tell you. If you would listen, I, I know, I know what you're going through. You have told me, you have prayed about that, but I, I actually, I, I have an answer. If you would listen, if you would listen, if you would listen to what I'm saying. And so prayer is important. It's important for us. It's important to help build this hedge and help keep it fortified about our relationships and our work, our household, our promises of blessings and favor and increase in our life. Prayer is important. It's an important component to that. This, this, this hedge concept. Listen, Satan's accusation against Job was that Job served God. And he served God for what he could get from God. That was Satan's accusation. Wealth and prosperity. Yes, he has that, but that's the only reason why he serves you. He only serves you because you bless him in every way. He was accusing Job of serving God only for personal gain. Satan suggested that, listen, if you remove the hedge, let's test Job's motive. Let's test his motive. <laughs> Satan has no power against God's person. And God's person is you. Unless God gives it. He has no power. God is sovereign in all things. And the head, hedge is actually part of God's provision for us. God's provision for us isn't just giving us things. Part of walking in the blessing is God's hedge that's around us. It's not sovereign in and of itself. The hedge can be breached if we allow it to. You don't believe me? Think about Samson. Anybody know the story of Samson? You know, I don't like to often talk about the story of Samson because he lost his hair. But, what, but, but you know the story of Samson. Samson had a hedge around him. He was untouchable. Every, you know, every time he was in a battle, he won it. There wasn't a battle he didn't win until he sinned and opened the door for the enemy. The Spirit of God left him and he became like any other man. 
in Judges. So often we get rid of the hedge. Israel as a nation had a hedge that God removed because of their backsliding, because they didn't take advantage of God's principles. So what we have to do with this prayer hedge is we have to make a personal decision. It's like anything else. My wife and I were talking and she reminded me of this concept that, you know, you don't become an expert at anything unless you put in, what is it, the time, the money, and hard work. Time, money, and hard work. You know, Malcolm Gladwell once said that to be the best that you can be, the best you, you can be at anything you're doing, to be the best drummer you'll ever be, to be the best counselor, to be the best preacher, to be the best artist, whatever it may be, you know, typically it'll take about 10,000 hours of practicing that. 10,000 hours. Time, money, and all money means is you put your, where you put your money where your mouth is. You know, we used to have a saying that you want to know where your heart, you want to know where a man's heart is or a person's heart, look at their checkbook. I know you can't look at their checkbook anymore. Maybe you got to look at their online banking, you know, and you'll see, you'll see uh, where their heart is and what they love. Learning to pray on a consistent basis is the same way. It's going to take effort and time. It doesn't happen naturally. I mean, there are days when you get up and you feel like praying. You're like, Lord, I can't go today without praying. It's, I need to pray. There are other days when maybe things are going well and you forget to pray. Or maybe things are so bad you don't feel like praying. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll be transparent. I've had some days like that. It's going to take some time and some effort. So we got to make a personal decision, first of all, to break up the unplowed ground of our heart. One of the things that I pray often in my prayers is, Lord, till, till the ground of my heart, that my heart will be good soil, able to receive your word. So we have to make a personal decision to break up this unplowed ground in our heart. Hosea 10.12 says, sow for yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Break it up. Break up this unplowed ground. What is this ground? We need to replow our heart. Replow it for a new time of prayer. We need to, to replow it and break up this indifferent ground. Hard hardened by busyness and preoccupation. Come on, I'm not just speaking to myself on this one. So busy, so preoccupied. Matthew 13, 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the, the wicked one comes and snatches it away. He snatches away what was sown in his heart. We need to break it up. Stop being so indifferent about things. We need to break up the shallow ground. The heart that has little depth. Yeah, be a little deeper. Come on. Matthew 13, 20 says, He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But that ground is stony, so it doesn't take root. We're not deep. We just want, we just want something quick. I go to church real quick and, and hear a quick sermon, and, that, and that's all I do for the whole week. That's not what church is for. 
This is not what church is for. I know we have all these metaphors. Church is a filling station. Church is a hospital. Church is all of these things. Guess what? Church is where you go and get ready to live the rest of your week, to, to, to live for real. Come on, we're in here now, but you're going to live for real out there. And that's the life you're supposed to live. God doesn't want you in here all the time. There was a time in the book of Acts when after Jesus rose and the Holy Spirit fell on all the disciples and Peter preached and more than 3,000 people came to the Lord and the whole city was excited and uh, everybody was just there in Jerusalem having a great time. They were praising the Lord and they, they enjoyed prosperity and people were coming to the Lord and all these things were happening. And then the Bible says great persecution came to the church. If they're doing so well, why did great persecution come to the church? Because God said, get out of here. Go. Spread the word. I don't want you just staying in church having a good time. I want you to go out and live your life. Live your life as a Christian. Live the life that I've given to you. That's how the word will spread, Christians. That's how the word will spread. Not by beating people over the head with the Bible. Come on, that's another sermon. I won't get on that. But the life you live, the life you live. So break up that shallow ground. Break, break up that cluttered ground. The heart that is crushed with distractions. Every time I get focused, I get distracted by this or that. Seems like I never get to where I want to get to because I'm distracted. We need to have a responsive ground. A heart that is ready to change. In, in verse 23 of Matthew 13, it says, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. But you produce fruit. God wants fruit out of your life. You are here for a purpose, whatever that may be, whatever it may be. You're here for a purpose and to produce fruit. You are here to produce. You are here to produce. You are here to produce. Let us not settle for a mediocre life. Let us not compare our lives with someone else. I can't compare my life, uh, you know, with Grandpa Deckard. I can't compare my life with Keith or Brother James or Brother Charlie or, or Jody. I have to be the best me that God can absolutely make me to be. The only person I can compare myself, and some of you know this, is to the person I was yesterday. That's who you should be comparing yourself to. God has a purpose for you. And we want to be fulfilled. We want everything that God has for us. I think of the illustrations about the man on the cruise ship who won the prize. You know that story. We've said it here. He won the, he won the ticket on the cruise ship, but he stayed in his cabin because he, he, he didn't have money. So he didn't enjoy the things. He said, well, I don't have any money. I'll, I'll go on the ship. And he came off and they said, why didn't you? Well, we didn't see you around the ship. He said, well, I, I don't have any money. I just had the ticket. He said, the ticket gives you access to everything on the ship. Except alcohol. Got to pay for that. But it gives you access to everything else. It's like us going through life. I gave the illustration last week about the person that buys a new car, but they still continue to walk everywhere. 
Come on, God has given you a a renewed vision. God has given you restoration in life. He's given us an opportunity. No matter what you've gone through yesterday, no matter how how deep a hole you've dug for yourself, no matter how many people have come against you, it doesn't matter. Today is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us start today. Let it be a catalyst for the rest of our life. Come on. Let us stop settling for a mediocre life, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Healing, prosperity, overcoming, come on, being debt-free. I think some of us, and I said break up this indifferent ground and this cluttered ground because some of us have the idea that some that things happen overnight all the time. Yeah, God does some suddenlies. I've been in church services. I heard all the, I've heard of all God's going to do a suddenly. You know, he got on the boat and suddenly they were to the other side. I heard all the, I heard all of it. Can I just tell you something? For the most part, God absolutely does suddenlies. He absolutely does suddenlies. But there are times when it's going to take time, money, and effort. It's going to take some hard work. You know, my brother, he wasn't out of debt. He didn't say one day, well, I'm in a lot of debt. And the next day he was out. Does that happen? Absolutely. God performs miracles. God is the God of miracles. God created the universe. God breathed, stars came out. God stopped time. Come on. God created it all. He can do anything that he wants to do. So there are times in our life where it's a time for a miracle. But he wants us to understand that we have to live every day. And if he gave you a miracle every day, you'd be expecting a miracle every day. You wouldn't be living life. (laughs) And so it's time, money, and effort. We have to make this personal decision. And we have to make this personal decision to resist the prayerless lifestyle. Make a personal decision to do that. 1 Samuel 12, 23, this is Samuel was talking to the people at Israel. And they had sinned and they were worried. That God was going to do what he always had done. You know, take the hedge away from him. And he said, listen, this time I'm going to tell you something. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm praying for you. And he said in in verse 23, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin, watch this now, against the Lord in what? Ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. So Samuel even recognized to him that it was even a sin Not to pray and to pray for others. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, that men always ought to pray. Always ought to pray. There's a sin of prayerlessness. We have to understand it's time to pray. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help us even in time of need. God's door is open. God has an open door policy. And I want to tell you something else. He can handle anything that you bring to him. Well, you know, if it was just, uh, you know, a few dollars that I needed or, you know, if I just had my my leg was hurting, you know, I could go and pray about that because I'm sure God could do that. But, you know, this is cancer we're talking about. This is this is fifty three thousand two hundred and seventeen dollars in debt we're talking about. You know, I, I started, I started uh, you know, four years ago in school. I didn't have any debt except for the Snickers bar I just bought. Now I'm graduating next week and I'm $53,427 in debt. 
And that's only because I worked at McDonald's and Burger King all the way through school. How am I going to pay this off? What am I going to do? There's nothing you can put on God's shoulders. Let me tell you, when Jesus went to the cross, he had the sin of the whole world. Everybody that had lived up to that time, millions, maybe even a billion people up to that time. He had the sin of everyone that was living at the time. Those that didn't even know there was a Jesus. Those in Rome and China, who is Jesus? They didn't even know anything about Jesus. He was dying on the cross for them. He died on the cross for every sin that was, would ever be committed. Up to today, he died for all of those sins. And if I can go a step further, he died for the sins. And I'm not, I'm not negatively confessing, but he's, he died for the sins you're going to commit this week. He already died for them. I know it's, it's hard to believe. Grace is hard to believe. I'm not going to try to explain it to you. Grace is hard to believe. And we know good and well that we, that doesn't give us a license to sin. Talk to, talk to Paul. Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. He'll tell you, God forbid, because God is a daddy, he will give you a whipping. He's your daddy and he loves you. But we don't have to worry about it. There's, there, is there anything too hard for God? Do I need to go back to old school preaching? Is there anything too hard for God? No, he, he, he can take everything that you bring to put on his shoulders. He can do it. Church, it's time to pray. That's why we started that this year, having a time of prayer during church. A time of corporate prayer. We need to make this personal decision to resist the prayerless lifestyle. And we need to make a personal decision to persist in a praying lifestyle. Ephesians 6.18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. That just means all my requests I put before him in the spirit, being watchful to this end and with all perseverance. That means don't give up. Supplication for all the saints. Romans 12.2 says rejoicing, 12.12, rejoicing in hope, patient, even in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Persistent prayer is a sticking to it prayer. It's a never giving up prayer. It's a refusing to be discouraged prayer. Re persistent prayer is a never going to stop kind of prayer. It's a I'm not losing heart kind of prayer. No matter what comes against me, I'm not going to stop praying. Sometimes it's the forces of life at work that are against us. Circumstances, people, all sorts of things. Storms come up, sudden storms and trials. But Martin Luther once said that prayer is a violent action of the spirit as it is lifted up to God. The action is comparable to a ship going against the storm. I'm not going to stop, and you can't stop me. That's the persistent prayer mindset. It's not losing heart when we pray. It's, it's, you know, to lose heart is to be paralyzed, to be weakened, to be beat down. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. How long do we have to pray? We have to pray until a new day breaks. We have to pray until there's a release of power. Pray until the vision is possessed. Pray until the promise is fulfilled because God will fulfill his promise. Pray until the prophetic word comes to pass. Listen, if something is not happening in your life, you might want to say, well, you know, I don't know why God's not doing it. But guess what? It's not God. It's never God. God lives in eternity. In fact, whatever it is you think he's going to do, he's already done it. 
It's just a manifestation that we don't see. And could it be that there's, we need to look in the mirror sometimes and say, what is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm doing? Finally, the prayer hedge is built with practicing what I call the waiting principle. And really, it's not just about waiting. It's the patience principle. It's the patience principle. To wait is to pray. Listen to this. Watch now. It's to pray with expectation. Just like that waiter at the restaurant. I mean, if you went to the restaurant and you sat at your table, and I know you've done it because I've done it, and you wonder where in the world is the waiter? I mean, we've been here 10 minutes. Somebody came by and said, do you want some water? But I mean, I'm ready to order. Now I'm ready to order lunch and dinner because I've been here so long. Come on. Where's the waiter? Well, he or she is a waiter. But waiting on you doesn't mean sitting in the corner. What you going to do? You going to eat something? You going back to the kitchen and cook it? What you going to do? No, that's not what a waiter does. A waiter serves. To wait on the Lord is to pray and serve God with an expectation to look watchfully in faith. Come on. To be in a spirit of readiness, an attitude of the soul that's toward God. Waiting on the Lord, it's a spiritual principle. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, those that wait on the Lord, come on somebody, shall renew their strength. They shall what? Mount up with wings as eagles. Come on theologians in here. They shall run and what? Not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God will give you the strength if you continue to persevere in prayer. This is just one of the elements that we're going to use to build this hedge about us, the hedge that God is putting there, but we're going to help to fortify it so that there will be no breaches in this hedge, the prayer hedge. We have to change our mind about prayer. There are so many that said, listen, my day is so busy, I didn't have time to pray. But there are those of us that would say, listen, my day is so busy that I couldn't afford to go through it without praying. I couldn't afford to go through it without praying.